0: Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through.
1: Hi, Adam. How you doing? I'm good,
0: Harry. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm good. I'm good, too was
0: hesitation there, I think you feel pressure because this show, for some people, will be a bedtime show, so you don't want to bring up stressful things. Was there stress
1: i was I have been thinking about I've been curious to know are you someone who's like easily scared or creeped out by stuff
0: um No, usually not. I think anyone that knows me knows that the climate stuff has freaked me out in a profound way, which is one of the reasons we're doing this podcast to take deep breaths, to get back in our body, to hear a story. So that has freaked me out. But why?
1: What happened to you? I mean, nothing specific. I moved into a, a new place relatively recently. That's it has two entrances. It's on the ground floor. As a kid who saw scream way too early, as a child, home invasion has always really creeped me out. I was always afraid. I was even like afraid of ghosts and stuff. Just like, oh, my, my motion sensor light went off outside. Should I be up all night scared or not? But that kind of stuff doesn't bother you.
0: Um, you know what? I think like you have a good lock on your, front door your back door the dark or noises in the dark like hmm. are you in an apartment building it's
1: like a little house it's like a little back house
0: hmm. yeah i mean like that's not crazy to be a little worried about that but i would just say make sure you're secure and you're 99.999% going to be Okay. You know, we we have it sometimes at our house where there is a motion triggered light and a couple of times I've woken up in the middle of the night with our dog barking and the light was on. Mm-hmm. And it's almost definitely a squirrel or a possum, but you know, you never know. People do try and rob places, but I would say if you have a good bolt lock, good backdoor bolt lock, do you have bars over your windows? No bars over the windows. Oh, you're in trouble. (laughs) You're in serious trouble.
1: (laughs) The the bars is in it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Harry, I wanted to calm you down. (laughs) But yeah, you're in a... Do you think Hyper Object will spring for some no, bars? No, 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 definitely not. That's okay. not what companies do. Okay, I don't know. Um, I thought we were kind of a different kind of company. Yeah, you're fine. in, and, and I never use this uh, term lightly. You're in a death trap. Wow. <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I would just make sure. Well, are your
1: windows like. Yeah, I mean, it's an old place. It's pretty standard. I mean, it's fine. And it's like off the street. It's okay. I just, I can creep myself out. I can like psych myself up. And again, maybe this isn't
0: the best content for bedtime. The only thing is, I think people know nowadays, like what are you going to get if you rob that house? I mean, it's pretty much a laptop, right? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, I get it if you rob a fancy house. You're looking for art and silverware and that kind of junk. Sure. But, like, really? Like, why? I don't know, man. Yeah, if
1: anyone's listening, I don't have... There's nothing you can take from I got nothing. I
0: got nothing worth taking. No. I mean, the only thing I know, you have those solid gold candlesticks. yeah. And you've got about three hundred and twenty grand in cash in your place, but so it's hidden very hidden so well. It's uh-huh. right underneath your bed, and no one would ever think to look there. And with your gate code, which is so confusing three, two, one, nine, eight, four, no one's even going to be able to get to the back of the house because of that gate code.
1: Yeah, no, it's I picked a great gate code. Your, your fingers don't think to go there,
0: so. <laughs> This is the least relaxing (laughs) beginning to the show that we've done. We've mentioned climate. We've mentioned you, clearly, in a very dangerous neighborhood, uh, putting your life in jeopardy every night that you close your eyes. It's true. The nights I can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what we're going to do, Harry? What's that, Adam? We're going to do a little crazy thing called relaxing. <laughs> it was creepy. <laughs> he somehow made it way creepier. Relaxing. Uh, we're going to take some deep breaths ah, and we're going to start to ease into an improvised story. So it's going to meander a little bit, but I think that's kind of part of what's relaxing about it. It's not some book that you're reading that got great reviews so you feel pressured to like connect with it Mm -hmm. boy I'm not comfortable with that thought direction I feel like I just destroyed (laughs) 300 years of literature no great great books are better than what I'm doing right now I don't know let's see how this goes I I don't know do you think is this the one where we we nail brothers Karamazov that'll put you to sleep just as easy as this Harry, you know how this goes. You give me an image, object, feeling, anything you want, and we will spin it into a story. I'm going to go with Jack-O-Lantern. Ooh, Jack-O-Lantern. You know what I think of is, God, it was 25 years ago, I used to love the Sonic Youth album, Bad Moon Rising. And that had a jack-o'-lantern on the cover i think is the head of a scarecrow and i used to love that album we would go on tour with a theater in chicago called second city and we would drive all around the midwest and it would be in the middle of the night and i would literally with a walkman with a cassette i would listen to bad moon rising Headlights on the highway cut past us with a rumble and a shake as mostly 16-wheelers shoot by us and an occasional passenger car. Each truck passing by, we see it from a distance with the two white lights, but then as it gets closer, it blinds us. And then the rumble comes at the end and some rocks kick up over and over. Sometimes a long pause where there are no cars. And then sure enough, a couple of headlights in the distance. One is go, go furniture. Shoots past us. Another one just says on the back of it, ITB. We don't even know what that means, ITB, but and then that kicking rocks as it passes us by. And after a couple of these trucks go by, a smaller car, a little Honda type car goes by with much less sound and much less rumble and just a few rocks kicking up. And we're inside that car now with Kristen. Kristen's 19 years old. She's got shoulder length hair and is wearing a work uniform, some sort of fast food restaurant feeling uniform. We can't really tell and she's got no music playing. She's in her car and it's quiet. She's driving down this highway, mostly surrounded by the occasional 16-wheeler. And uh, she taps the steering wheel a little bit with her right index finger. She's a little nervous. Is she late for work? Is she thinking about something from where she just came from, her home, some friends? And eventually we start seeing those highway signs with like the symbols on them for like gas, restaurant, motel. And she puts her turn signal on and pulls onto the exit ramp, exit 118, and pulls to the exit ramp and takes a right and pulls into a whole rest stop complex. It's one of those places that has like a Hardee's and a Pizza Hut and then like a weird kind of unique thing where they sell like pistachios, like there's a pistachio store. And then obviously there's a big gas station. Kristen takes a right off the exit and pulls into this giant rest stop complex. And it's one of those complexes where off to the right, the big trucks can park and the truckers can sleep, or they can come in and have a bite. And on the far side of the complex, we actually see a sign for showers, 1299. And Kristen pulls around the back of the rest stop complex and there's an employee parking area she parks her car and she's done it a million times even though she's pretty young she goes towards the employee entrance and swipes a pass key in front of a one of those little pads and the door opens up and she's in a storeroom and she passes a kid who's probably 16 years old with big buck teeth and a scar across his nose and an attempt at a faux hawk, but it's like a mess. It's more like a, a man bun gone wrong where the bun is on top of his head. Hey, Kristen, he says while he's sitting back there just leaning against about six pallets of soda canisters. Hey, Jeff, she says as she keeps walking forward. She opens another door and then she's in a kitchen area, but it's not a traditional kitchen area. It's a fast food kitchen area, which is very different because everything is about reheating and deep frying. There are about four people working there. We realize this is like a Hardee's type of restaurant and the manager is there. Her name is Cheryl. Cheryl's tough. Cheryl Actually, if we want to go deep in Cheryl, Cheryl was a hell of a two-guard in high school. She played basketball. We're in Indiana, by the way, in case you're wondering where we are. And Cheryl was really good and actually got a scholarship to Creighton University. But her second year, her mom got sick and she had to drop out and come back to Indiana. And you can tell Cheryl has taken all of that aggression and expression of her basketball career and put it into managing this Hardee's. Kristen, I was about to say you're late, but you're not. You're on exact time. Thank you for that, I appreciate it. Does everyone see that? Christian's on time, that means it elevates all of us and uh, a bunch of the other employees, a mixture of teenagers and some people in their 20s all nod their head while continuing to plunge frozen par-fried fries into deep fryers or move hamburgers under the orange heating light. And Kristen keeps walking forward. She knows exactly where she's going. She pushes through another door and now she's out at the front counter and there are two people working two of the four cash registers that they have here at this fast food restaurant. A very tall gentleman in his early 20s by the name of George is at the one cash register and then at the other cash register is actually a much shorter person, CJ, and she's 4'10". Very pretty with a bob of hair and definitely a fun, sparkly kind of attitude. Hey, Kristen, how you doing? She says, and Kristen says back to her, hey, CJ. Hey, George, how's it going? It's slow. You know, usual time for this shift. By the way, anyone from Indiana, pardon me if my accent's a little too much. I grew up in Pennsylvania for the most part outside Philly, but also spent some time in central Pennsylvania. I was always struck by how the accents would shift. Like somehow you'd be in like Altoona in the middle of Pennsylvania and you'd pull up to a gas station and the guy would be like, hey, how you doing? And it was always very surprising to me. And then other times you'd hear no accent. Uh, Harry, you're from Indiana, right? I am. Yes, I am from Indiana. What part of Indiana? I'm from
1: central Indiana, kind of near Indianapolis. And yes, as you get more south or just kind of sometimes randomly, you'll get some people with some little twinge of an accent. And can you tell us again what your gate code is? It's 813154.
0: Why do you ask? Well, well, I just think our listeners like to know things and know about us. Yeah. Yeah. So Kristen is talking to CJ and George at the front. And sure enough, it is slow. There's like three truckers seated at tables. And and this place, this Hardee's has a lot of tables because you could tell they get crushed. They got about 40 little two tops, four tops. I mean, you can split them up. Everything in the place is orange and brown and white and very clearly some sort of focus group test marketing company did a lot of work to determine that these colors are going to make you feel comfortable and they're going to make you want to spend money and order food. And you know what? As cool as we all like to think we are, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little hungry looking at this Hardee's and Kristen gives CJ a little half hug and says, where are you headed to tonight? And CJ says, well, Benji's having a party over on uh, North Fork Road, so I was gonna stop by there. And Kristen laughs, Benji and his parties. He always says he's gonna have a keg or a couple cases of beer and then you show up and it's a bottle of half rum and a bottle of some crappy vodka and two warm beers. And CJ's like, yeah, well, we told him no more of those nights. So he claims he got a half keg. All right, well, have fun. I wish I could join you guys. All right, I'll say hey to everyone. And CJ's out and Kristen takes over. When did you start, George? George turns to Kristen. It uh, started about 10 minutes ago. Well, good to see you. How's your mom doing? She's good. You know, she's still sick. She's got that deep cough, but... uh. But she's hanging in there, she's a strong woman. And at that moment, a gentleman walks up, probably a trucker, just because everyone at this hour is a trucker or tends to be a trucker at this Hardee's. And he's a guy with a really angular face. He's got a nose that's very skinny too. It's got a little curve to it, almost like it was broken, but it wasn't. You can tell it's a natural curve. And he's wearing a flannel shirt, beat-up jeans, and a Chicago Bears cap. And he comes through the line going past the heat lamp, and he grabs a double burger. And then he asks George for some fries, but I want them fresh. And George yells to the back, a large order of fries, fresh. And then he goes over to the soda dispenser and grabs a large cup and takes a little scoop of ice and fills that up and makes his way down to Kristen where he stands waiting for his fries. How you doing tonight, Kristen says. And he's like, I'm good, I'm good. Where are you coming from, Chicago? No, 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 no. Uh, lost my other hat, found this one and just put it on. Where are you from originally? Uh, well, that's a complicated question, he says. And she's like, Where were you born? He says, well, that's a complicated question. And just then the fries come out through the little window and George grabs them and puts them on the tray in front of him. Kristen kind of can't help herself. She's used to every night these conversations kind of have a basic rhythm. Where are you from? I'm driving in from Seattle. Where are you from? I'm in from Long Beach taking a haul out to North Carolina, but this guy's already given her two strange answers. So at this point, normally she'd be already ringing up the order on her cash register, but she doesn't. She stops. And as we're about to learn, CJ's sparkly, but Kristen's feisty. And she says, well, where were you born? And he takes a beat, this gentleman with the angular face and the curved nose, and he says... Well, I was born on a submarine. (laughs) Kristen laughs. What do you mean you were born on a submarine? I was born on a submarine. And Kristen doesn't miss a trick. Pretty much all of the submarines out there are military. My dad's in the military. You can't have a pregnant woman on a submarine. He said, well, my mom was hoping to get a promotion, and she got pregnant, and she covered it up. And uh, about 38 years ago, she was on a U.S. naval submarine off the coast of Portugal when her water broke. And then I popped up. You've got to be kidding me. By now, Kristen is ringing up the order, which is like automatic for her. And uh, her fingers are tapping on it, and she says, well, that'll be 998. And he's like, all right. She says, well, that's got to be the strangest birth story I've ever heard. And he says, uh, well, honestly, that's not the one-fifth of it. Uh, a bunch of other strange stuff happened. Uh, I've had quite the life, but uh, here you go. Here's a 20, and Kristen once again processes it pretty easily and gives him back $10 and two cents. And this guy seems like a good guy, the guy with the angular face and the bear's cap, and he puts the two cents in the take a penny, leave a penny, little plastic thing next to the cash register. And she can't help herself just once again, this is a place of routine, it's a place of shifts. People come in, they say the same things, they make the same jokes. Occasionally, there's a creep. Occasionally, there's someone that's extra nice. Occasionally, even someone from her town, which is about four miles back up the highway and then about a mile and a half down where she lives, a little town called Ledford. And she's like, well, why is it complicated where you're from? And he looks at her and he says, well, what the hell? It's midnight, we're in a Hardee's, we're off the highway in Indiana, and you seem like a nice person. I'm from a government laboratory. (laughs) Kristen laughs. Now she realizes the guy's pulling her leg. He's just, she occasionally would see this with certain long haul truckers. They would put on a fake accent. They would create fictions for themselves. Usually it was the creepy guys who were trying to pick up on her, even though she's pretty young but they would create a whole fictional life and stuff. So she just laughs. And uh, in the middle of her laughing, he just says, I'm not kidding. And she says, well, let me get this straight. There's no one behind this guy in the line. So she decides to take her time a little bit. So let me get this straight. You were born on a submarine and you were raised in a government laboratory. He says, that is 100% correct. And at this point, he takes one of the two pennies he put in the take a penny, leave a penny tray. And he looks at her and he goes, you know what? On second thought, I was too generous. And he takes his tray and he heads towards one of the tables, stopping himself midway and heading over to one of those little condiment islands with the weird stainless steel squirters. You know those things, Harry? Yeah. Yeah something about them. It maybe it's the stainless steel. It's just something about them I don't like. They just feel uncomfortable. I think it's that squirting thing, and then they have the little white paper uh-huh. containers. And I always feel like I have to fill up like four of them. Yeah. And uh it's always a mess over there. Although I gotta give this particular Hardys a lot of credit. It's not a mess. It's very clean because CJ, who left about six minutes ago did a nice job cleaned the condiment station CJ yeah CJ's cool by the way I, Harry I think you would like CJ you
1: know maybe I knew him back in uh, back in Indiana
0: CJ's actually a girl oh, she's my God. Four, 10 she's definitely one of the most popular people in Ledford so this gentleman with the angular face and the Chicago Bears cap, by the way, it's an old Bears cap too. It's not like, you know, how they always change their logos in sports so they can get more sales. It's like a Bears cap from the 70s is like kind of worn and kind of a pokey C on it. Or actually, I'm sorry, it's a bear, which now mostly you see that angular C for the Chicago Bears, but he's wearing like a vintage, old kind of slightly dorky cap. And Kristen looks over at George, and George just laughing, shaking his head. I don't know why you talk to those people, Kristen. You always have the strangest conversations. And Kristen kind of in the corner of her mouth like, "Did you hear that one?" And he's like, "Yeah, but you know, people just drive past. They don't ever think they're gonna see you again, and they say crazy shit. Do you remember that guy who told you he won the lottery?" yeah i remember him the giveaway was that he was wearing uh, eight dollar sneakers and he paid with a coupon yeah george laughs that's true usually lottery winners do not pay for fast food with a coupon kristen's like you know what else are we gonna do i mean half the fun is seeing who drives through this place on the graveyard shift Kristen feels a hand on her shoulder, and it's her manager, Cheryl. Everything all right out here, Kristen? Cheryl says with her usual authoritative voice. Everything's great, Cheryl. No problem at all. I just heard a lot of chit-chat for one customer. Remember, turnover is the key, and Kristen and George both finish her sentence. Turnover is the key to good revenues. Which, by the way, isn't even a phrase. Like Cheryl says it, like it's going to rhyme or it's catchy, and it's not. It's just like kind of naked information, which George and Kristen and CJ, they always laugh because Cheryl always says things like they're phrases, but it's just informational. Kristen, she liked poking Cheryl a little bit, but she knew how far to go. And she's like, Cheryl, there's hardly anyone here. Don't worry, I would never, ever slow down the line. And Cheryl said, good, because you know if the line slows down, and once again, George and Kristen finish her sentence, then that means we do less business. Once again, no rhyme, no cleverness. But Cheryl constantly repeated these phrases. There was even a time about eight months before where Cheryl had printed up these, once again, like just informational phrases on big banners and put them around the restaurant. But then a regional manager had showed up and uh, two days after he visited the restaurant, all those signs came down. So clearly Cheryl's push to go to the statewide office or the regional office had not gone well with her phrases, but she had not adjusted in her conversational stylings with the employees. And right at that moment that Cheryl's talking to Kristen, there is suddenly a fairly loud explosion. And let me be clear. This is not a fiery sort of bomb explosion. It's almost like, I'm trying to think of a comparison, like a tire blowing out. You can tell there was a lot of pressure and it burst, you know, which is technically an explosion, but that's what it kind of sounded like. Well, there are only three other or four people in the Hardee's, and then Cheryl and George and Kristen behind the counter but immediately upon this kind of bursting sound, a couple of people peeked through the window and even Gregory, who works stock, even came through the door to see what's going on. And Kristen looked over and where the man with the angular face and the vintage bear's cap was sitting, the table was knocked over and the food was scattered all about the floor with the little white paper condiment Cups of mustard and ketchup scattered. The chair was still standing upright, but the man was nowhere to be seen. What the hell was that? Kristen said. Cheryl right away, watch your language. If we cuss, that creates, and then Cheryl and George completed it, a muss. That one actually did rhyme, but no one could figure out what it meant. Like, Maybe must means that like customers will get upset. Harry, do you have a theory on what that could mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's that phrase, no fuss, no muss, which would imply that it's muss is something like a fuss.
0: I guess so. I mean, Cheryl, by the way, don't get me wrong. Cheryl's a very good manager. She's actually running with the longest streak in the Midwest for accurate register counts, drawer counts. Seven months and 11 days, which is really hard to do if you're running a fast food place or retail, because there's always a dime or a nickel that gets lost. No one knew at the Hardee's, but Cheryl at the end of the night was always making the count accurate out of her own pocket. And there was even two nights where she had to put in like one hundred and eighty dollars and then another night, three hundred and forty dollars. That's a whole separate bedtime story, (laughs) but there was a gentleman who was working there who said he was 25, but then Cheryl saw a tattoo on his arm that was clearly from the first Iraq war, the George Bush Iraq war with Kuwait, and that made no sense that someone was 25, so she kind of thought the guy was like 44 And she was pretty sure that guy took a couple of grand out of the Hardys, but she didn't want to take the hit on it. So she fired him for some made up reason and got him out of there. Once again, I'm giving you the quick version of that. That's a long, elaborate story. And down the road, if you ever want to hear the story of Cheryl and Keith. It is, I'll be honest with you, Harry, it's a much better story than the story I'm telling.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's hope we get get more episodes so we can finally hear Cheryl Should I just
0: shift to the story? No, no, no. We're almost done here. No, no, no. no. You're right. You're right. Because this is weird what's just happened. Yeah. We've just heard the sound of like a container exploding. And this guy who had said very strange things to Kristen in the line about how he was born on a military sub, which by the way, maybe, but then he also said he was from a government laboratory. And this gentleman who was seated at that table, we've just heard a loud explosion. We're seeing food all over the ground. The table is tipped over. Everyone in the restaurant, their head jerked immediately in this direction, but the guy is gone. And the amount of time after hearing the explosion and looking, a seventh of a second. So there's no way the guy ran out the door, which by the way, the door is like 20 feet away from him. It's down on the Southwest corner. So Kristen and Cheryl and George were all standing there and Cheryl once again, Talented athlete. I don't want to downplay the time she had at Creighton University. She wasn't just on their roster. Her sophomore year, she scored 14 points a game and led the conference in block shots. I mean, she was talented. There was like an outside chance she could have played overseas, not the WNBA. But anyway, Cheryl's quick. So Cheryl is out from behind the counter over by the table and Looking around, confused, and she turns to Kristen and she says, Was there someone here? And Kristen, who's also equally shocked, looks back at Cheryl and says, He was just there. That was the guy that I was talking to. And in the back, southwest is where the door was behind the guy with the angular face. But on the northwest corner of the restaurant, there's another trucker seated there who's a regular, actually. And his name's Tate. And Tate's a big, heavy guy. Tate might be like 480, 6'1". He wears a cap that just says Yummy Bear on it. He stands up and he's like, Cheryl, I swear as the day is long... There was a gentleman sitting there one second ago. Kristen now comes out from behind the counter. And usually this would be a big no-no with Cheryl. You don't leave front of counter to go into the house unless you're there to clean a station or you've checked in with Cheryl. But at this point, Cheryl's actually, for the first time that Kristen's ever seen, flustered. So... Christian's out there, and she's like, Cheryl, I swear to you, there was a guy sitting here a blink of an eye ago, and George, who's a tall gentleman, I mean, George is probably 6'6", even though George is the sweetest guy you will ever meet, by the way, taking care of his sick mom, and George is fairly easily flustered, but even for George, he's very flustered, And he's almost got tears in his eyes as he looks at Cheryl and says, I was looking at him when I heard that explosion sound. He was right there. Cheryl quickly runs down to the far side of the restaurant, that southwest door, opens the door and looks around. There's no trucks moving. No one's driving away. No one's running. No one's doing anything. Cheryl peeks back into the door and says to Kristen, Call 911, we may have a terroristic occurrence. Well, there was a weird pause where George and Kristen couldn't figure out the phrasing of what she was talking about or how anything that had just happened related to a possible terroristic occurrence and also very strange phrasing, terroristic occurrence. And how did you make that leap? But then Kristen looked at Cheryl's face and Cheryl was white as a ghost. She was freaked out and she realized nothing that was happening now was in the ordinary. Well, Kristen went to the kitchen where there was a phone, literally a red phone with buttons on it that was there to dial 911 in case someone drunk came in or to dial 411 for information if they needed it. But Kristen didn't stop at that phone. She went right through to the storeroom, pushed past Gregory, who was in the kitchen. By the way, should not have been in the kitchen if Cheryl was clear-eyed. That would have been a major problem. That would have actually been the drama for like a day and a half. So Kristen pushed past Gregory through the storeroom and she didn't know what got into her or how she was feeling or thinking this. But back through the storeroom, out the exit, she opened the door and standing about 20 yards away from her, there was a paved area where people would do deliveries and then past the paved area straight ahead, there was just mangy ragweed and grass and some like old rusted metal and garbage. And right on the divide between the grass and the pavement was standing the man with the angular face and the vintage bear's cab. And he was looking right at Kristen. And it's hard to tell in a moment like that where you're truly shocked or confused how much time goes by. But for Kristen, it felt like 30 seconds. And you know, Kristen, she has a sharp mind. I think she was pretty close. That's how long this eye-to-eye silence lasted between her and the guy with the angular face in the bear's cap standing 20 yards away from her. And finally, Kristen exhaled. And the gentleman in the bear's cap said, I told you. The end.
1: It did kind of get creepy at the end, I will say.
0: (laughs) I know. I didn't mean for it to. I had set up this big mystery with this guy. I just like the idea of like a rest stop and the kind of routine and then this guy. But it's not necessarily creepy, is it?
1: No, I think nothing creepy happened really but just the image at the end you know it was, was a little creepy it was but it, it was I did identify some as your producer I did identify, identify some great merch opportunities I think we should make a shirt that says if we cuss it creates a muss
0: so true though if you really think about
1: it Cheryl's right on that one I mean Cheryl as a font of wisdom I can't I really hope we get to hear her story with Keith
0: I mean, the only thing I'm going to tell you about the Cheryl Keith story is that might be one where we have to do like a warning beforehand, like extremely adult content, because it goes in a lot of directions, some of them violent, some of them beautiful, some of them (laughs) like you're watching Willy Wonka, like just, you know, gorgeous, but there's so many emotions in the Cheryl Keith story That, without exaggeration, might be a story that can't, like, how often do you say that that might be a story that can't be told? Yeah, all right, well. Don't ask me questions. I just hope one day I say the right word that triggers you to be able to tell that story. I mean, honestly, that one's, you know, I mean, podcasts are great, but not everything's for a podcast. That might be you and I out by the airport with a bucket of rolling rocks just watching the planes land over us. And that might just be one of those moments where it just gets really real. And I'm like, you want to hear the story of Cheryl and Keith? Yeah, we do have those moments. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, Harry and I will go sit in Long Beach with uh, both of us with a a big 32-ounce root beer Mm -hmm. and uh, just sip on it, look at the water. But I'm never as honest as we get in those moments, and we get Honest. Yeah, brutally honest. Brutally honest. Uncomfortably, like people have walked past us and stopped and said, "Guys, pull it back a little bit. That's too much." People film
1: us. (laughs) They threaten to call the cops. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Just on the sheer force of honesty of our conversations, the naked honesty of our conversations, police showed up one time in Long Beach and we had to recount what we were saying and the police looked confused. The one, remember that? The one officer yeah, looked yeah. at the other one and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. He says, it feels like a law has been broken, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah, but the other guy kind of got it. He sort of got what we were putting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we always thank you for listening. I'm sorry if it got a little creepy. It was supposed to be a little funny, but it got, got a little creepy. It's away from me. They're improvised. These are improvised stories, folks. Uh, the Cheryl Keith story is not improvised. That I have written, and it's 741 pages <laughs> long. Parts of it are literally redacted. Like, there's black lines through them. That may be the last episode we ever do, Harry.
1: Well, I hope we never record it then because I want to do this forever.
0: That's so nice what you just did.
1: <laughs> That's oh. my job. I want to keep a <laughs> job.
0: <laughs> oh, now i I got more naked. Oh, it's an honesty, baby. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed. We love you. Hopefully you're asleep right now and you're not hearing any of this. Or if it was in the middle of your day, you're very relaxed. Maybe you already got to being relaxed, and you've turned it off at this point. Never forget Harry's gate code one eight three four five six, and uh, thank you for listening to. Uh bedtime stories with adam and harry do we change the name did we put your name in there let's keep it out of there now all right wow wow there's a big (laughs) wave of judgment behind that of harry keeping his name clean all right good night everyone
1: good night that was extremely fun (laughs) bedtime stories with adam mckay is a production of hyperobject industries and sony music entertainment it's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson. With production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering, sound design, and original score by Isaac Lee. Thanks for listening, and if you're dreaming right now, hopefully there's like some sort of weird bird thing, but like a friendly bird. Not just a suggestion. Okay, goodbye. Hey, Bob. Yeah.
0: <laughs>